Welcome to the EFCA West Podcast. I'm Tim Jacobs, District Superintendent of EFCA West and your host for today's podcast. And it has been a while since we've done a podcast because we have been busy out and about all over the place, traveling, hanging out with pastors and churches and church leaders and enjoying the sort of post-COVID environment that we are experiencing There's so much in the news cycle, the horrible shooting that just happened in Texas, the murder of small children, you know, and and several teachers. It is beyond comprehension by this evil young man. Then we got the SBC report that's come out that some one guy called it not just a crisis, but an apocalypse in terms of the kind of stuff that's been covered up and the things that are coming to light. And that's gripping us as we speak in this moment. And of course, have we forgotten about what's going on in Ukraine? I mean, it's it's like that's still happening and it's impossible to keep up with the news cycle. But the reason why I bring that up is because one of the tragedies, the continuing tragedies and humanitarian crises that is happening in our world that nobody Nobody, nobody is talking about right now, but used to be center stage week after week, month after month, year after year, until all of a sudden, I think everyone thought it just went away, is the situation in Iraq, the humanitarian crisis in Iraq, the continuing violence in the country of Iraq that we have spent so many, so much money and blood and attention on over the past um, two decades. But I'm grateful to people that I know who have made long-term commitments in hard places. Long after the news, long after the reporters are gone, they are still there. And one of those guys is my friend for many years now, John Cook. John is president of Indigenous Ministries International, and he's based out of Colorado Springs in the Colorado Springs area. And John's been a friend of mine for a very long time. And he, we're going to talk today about Iraq and what's going on in Iraq because he has firsthand knowledge and you need to know because there are ways that you can continue to make a difference in a country that is maybe out of the news cycle now, but probably not very long before it will arrive back in. John, how are you doing today, brother? Doing well, Tim. Great to be with you. Good to see you. It's been too long. Well, it has been too long, but you've been a busy guy. You've been all over the place. And tell us briefly about Indigenous Ministries. Indigenous Ministries, both my wife and I are missionaries' kids uh, raised on the field. Uh, I'm generational. My grandparents were uh, missionaries in India for 32 years. Uh, My parents were in Sri Lanka and also in the Philippines and then uh, a U.S. home mission. But uh, one of the things that we find within Indigenous ministries is when you support a national, you have the ability to step in and make an impact. So Indigenous ministries is basically a missions organization that is specifically to help stand with the national. And we do the oversight, we do the, uh, the vetting. And then we have uh, all of our staff internationally are all from those particular countries, Egypt, Iraq. We've got some that are in from Syria, uh, India, Philippines, um, those kinds of things. And we find that to be 
dynamic in reaching people for Jesus. Uh, The statistics are that it takes about 10 years for an American missionary to reach some of their own, the people that they've gone to for Christ. And somebody say, well, that's not a very good missionary. Well, then Adnarm Judson, William Carey, and Hudson Taylor were not very good missionaries either because it took them 10 years. But the thing is, they committed to 40 and 50 years of ministry. And we find, okay, yes, that takes 10 years. But if you have a national it takes two weeks, two weeks for the first uh, people to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And we've got some incredible news to share uh, as far as what God is doing in war-torn Iraq and how God is turning the tables as a result of Christians here, standing here, trying to make a difference in the lives of people there. Yeah, and to be clear, we are the Evangelical Free Church of America. Most people that are listening to this podcast are in our denomination. You guys are an interdenominational organization. You don't have any particular denominational ties, which is a little different from what we usually do on our podcast, But and we don't do it for everybody. But you're a friend and you're a proven resource. You and I go way back. Um, John, you took me on a trip to Egypt um, back when things were pretty sketchy. And uh, it was quite an adventure, as I recall. But I got to see you in action. I got to see the relationships that you had with locals, the risks you were willing to take, the places you were willing to go, and the effectiveness of the things that you were involved with. But yeah, but Indigenous Ministries is kind of an interdenominational, I mean, not like interfaith, but interdenominational deal. Right? We are we are evangelical. We are conservative evangelical. In fact, I, I was, was ordained uh, conservative Baptist. Uh, so, you know, our, our doctrinal position is uh, mirror image. In fact, uh, my uh, director for educational development is an ordained uh, ECFA uh, pastor. So, um, so we're, we're very connected and we're thankful to the Lord for that. Absolutely. So talk to us because you, you are involved in different places, but Let's talk specifically right now about Iraq. I'm just curious, how often have you gone there so people understand? How much time have you spent there? And then just give us an overview of of the situation right now, because I don't think most people really know. Right. Uh, Usually I'm spending three, around, around two to three months in Iraq. I've got a home there. I've got five offices in Iraq. And we work through the national, through the local churches, and uh, as a result of us sharing and, and ministering, uh, we have a child sponsorship program uh, that is bringing in uh, families, we call them IDP, or internally displaced, and then the EDP, externally displaced. So we are literally bringing people in from, uh, from Iraq and from Syria. Now, the situation in Syria, it continues to be horrific. We were just in Iraq uh, just a few weeks back. We just brought in eight families into our program, and uh, the two of which the fathers had just been killed, shot and killed, as they were walking, bringing their groceries to, uh, to their homes. Uh, situation in Syria is absolutely dire. Situation in Iraq is not as dire, but it is. And, you know, we talk about Ukraine, and we're talking about a crisis that's several months old. And we are very concerned about all of those things, um, and uh, we are praying for them. In fact, uh, God is doing some things in Ukraine that is amazing. 
But this is, as Ukraine is several months old, the, the problem in Iraq since ISIS, uh, since, uh, since all of these things, and since COVID and so forth, uh, this is a crisis that has been going on for over 10 years. And uh, I was there when Mosul fell, uh, just two, uh, uh, two days uh, after Mosul fell. And we've been working with refugees uh, through this crisis. Uh, and as we were giving out the, uh, the relief efforts and so forth, we thought, well, you know, how can we make this sustainable? And so how we did that, we started taking children into, um, into our program. We've been doing uh, child sponsorship programs in, in India uh, since uh, 1998. And uh, so we're thankful for the Lord for that. Uh, but uh, we wanted this to be sustainable to where we could absolutely make a difference in the lives of the families. We, we support them through the local church. That local pastor then goes and ministers uh, to the people. And uh, through then the local church, uh, and indigenous ministries staff and so forth. We have seen an incredible thing happen. I was just talking with uh, uh, my director for uh, child uh, sponsorships in uh, in northern Iraq uh, just this morning, and I uh, she had shared with me. Uh, she herself is a two time refugee. Uh, she comes from generational uh, uh, refugee uh, crisis. Her grandmother was part of the 1914-15 uh, Armenian genocide. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can't change anything about the 1914-15 genocide, but we can do something about it today. And so as we stepped in, we said, okay, we want to share Jesus Christ. Now, these are, many of them are background Christians. Uh, they can trace their lineage back to the second and third century of the church being in Iraq. And somebody says, well, you know, how, how can that be? Well, Iraq has more sites, biblical sites uh, in the country than any other country outside of Israel. Uh, so you talk about Nineveh, which is Mosul. You got um, where Nahum comes from, uh, uh, Elkosh. Uh, uh, in Zaho, that's the old um, uh, Harbor where the children of Israel were exiled by, from uh, Samaria into uh, the Harbor, eastern Assyria. I mean, we, we just are seeing the Lord bring the Bible to light. And what's interesting is as these generational Christians are confronted with a personal relationship with Christ, I was talking with uh, Mariana this morning. I said, and we've talked with each one of these. And when we were there, we've been praying with them and speaking with them. Every single one of those families have asked Jesus to be their personal savior. And they are part of our local church. And now we're taking those kids that are growing up and we're starting to put them into ministry. Yeah, so this child sponsorship thing, what's interesting about, as you and I have talked about this over the years, is the long-term effects that it seems to have had. So when we talk about child sponsorship, we're not just talking about providing food and basic supplies. We're talking about a lifestyle. We're talking about a long-term relationship that is designed to have a long-term impact. So talk a little bit about that. Indigenous Ministries comes alongside the national church. The national pastor, as a result of us, uh, we step in, we get, let's say we have 50 kids in that church. And then that pastor, uh, through our relationship, we have uh, food distribution, backpack distribution, and so forth. But then comes the, the spiritual uh, mentoring. 
And, uh, and so they have the privilege of coming, the pastor prays with them and encourage them, uh, those kinds of things. And then he has the privilege of being able to uh, uh, share Christ uh, and to know exactly. I mean, you know, that's one of our jobs as shepherds, and that is to know the condition of our flock. And that's what we want to see. And so we have our staff come in, we've got our pastor and then Indigenous Ministries working together through the national so that we can reach the national through Indigenous Ministries. And you you were there and you while you were there, you made a video that you put up on YouTube. And, and so we're going to play this video um, and we'll do that right now. And I think when you were there, it was it was kind of a windy day. So. Um, hopefully you can, uh, you can, you should be able to hear it. You won't be able to see it obviously, but you should be able to hear this and tell where, where were you when this video was made? Um, so this is up in Halabja. This is the place that in 1993, Saddam Hussein gassed his own people. You know, there's a big discussion whether Saddam had weapons of mass destruction or not. Uh, I, I know full well that he did. I've been there, I've tested it, I've seen it firsthand and so forth. But in 1993, he gassed his own people. He bombed the place with napalm bombs so that all the windows would break. And then he put sarin gas over the city. Over 5,000 people died uh, in just a matter of a few minutes. And, um, and that was that's what he did. And then there was the terrorist Zerkawi. Um, Zarka is the place where he came from, uh, uh, Zarka, uh, Jordan, and he came and he set up his base there in Halabja. And, uh, so all of the things that ISIS did in Mosul and other places, beheadings, rapings of Christians, uh, and, uh, capturing Yazidian and so forth, um, Zarkawi did the same thing. And, um, so we have literally been asked by a government official Please help us plant a church in Halabja. There is not one Christian in this village, not one. And we are stepping in and following by God's grace and, and faith in him uh, that, uh, that he is going to open the doors and make this happen. So you, where this video we're going to play in a minute was shot was you were in this town, this area, where Saddam gassed his own people back in the 90s and early 90s, and where Zarqawi, who was the who was like the number two guy after Bin Laden, right? And he was he was the head of he was the head of Al Qaeda in Iraq, I think, right? Yeah. And um, and and so that guy, and then all you know this terrible stuff, and the, and then to date, as you said, there are no Christian churches there. There's no churches. There's not even Christians in the village. There's not even Christians in the village. And then you, were, but you were there. And we've shared Christ. We've uh, shared uh, points of love, caring for them with food provisions and, and so forth, building relationships, and people's ears are open. In fact, I talked with uh, the uh, one man who's the head of the Peshmerga, and he made the statement. He said, John, please bring this message that you have in Jesus to us. We need this. Wow. All right, so we're going to go ahead and play this, and we'll see. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to hear it on the audio. So let's check this out. It's coming right now. Dr. John Cook with Indigenous Ministries. I want you to pray with me on directions that we are looking at taking as we minister here in Iraq. We are literally on the border of Iraq and Iran. And uh, we are 
we've done food distribution here, we've done backpack distribution, we've done clothes distribution, um, and, and we've been a, uh, able to be a blessing to the people here. Just last night, the Imam came and uh, we talked together. And uh, as we saw, uh, some amazing relationships being built. What we're asking God for is 100 children to be sponsored from here in uh, this city. And uh, I can't share with you the location, but this is a place where many people have had difficulties and challenges. This is a place where Saddam Hussein, President Saddam, uh, did some horrible things. Uh, and yet we bring the message of Jesus, the message of love, the message of life, the message of blessing. And uh, you can help us bring this blessing here to this particular city and across the region. Literally what I'm seeing on the other side of the camera is the mountains of Iran. And we are praying that God would allow us from this place to bless the region for the Lord. And as we work together, you've already been so amazing in helping us make an impact here. I would ask that you would join with us, with me personally, that we might make a greater impact so that we might see these places uh, literally touched with the blessing of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for sharing this vision of a world that is touched for Jesus. And thank you so much for your partnership in helping us accomplish this. All right. All right. So that was the video. And um, so what you're saying there is, hey, we don't have a church here, but but if we can get some children sponsored, then that's the that's an opportunity because you're serving first, you're meeting immediate needs first, and then in the process building relationships, right? And yes. and and then from there, you know, we'll see what the Holy Spirit does. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing too, Tim is, uh, and we love uh, Compassion International, uh, and they're just down the road from me where my office is here in the U.S. But um, uh, one of the things they do not do is they do not sponsor and support refugee children. We do. In fact, that's been our whole focus and our whole goal. And uh, because this crisis will continue on for the next 20 or 30 years, and we want to be continuing to be standing there helping people. And, and like I say, these people are, many of them, the Christians in this area, are background Christian, have no personal relationship with Christ. A friend of mine who lost everything that he had to ISIS, he made the statement, he said, I had $4 million, I had a feedlot, I had all four businesses, I had all of these things. He said, I had all of these things, but I did not have Jesus. Today I have nothing, and yet I have Jesus. And um, the, um, uh, the, it was an incredible thing to see him make the comment that, uh, that um, um, Christ has absolutely made the difference and made the change in his life. Yeah, that was one of the things that when you and I were talking about this, that was, you know, especially during the, the, the height of the refugee crisis, was that I think a lot of people, when you see images and you think, well, you know, these people were already basically very poor. You just imagine that they're very poor. They don't have anything and maybe not very educated or whatever. And then they get displaced from one place to another. And, you know, it's easy to kind of think, well, I mean, that's really sad, but you kind of went from like one bad place to another bad place. But, you know, your point was a lot that 
these people were living lives kind of similar to the way a lot of Americans live their lives. Absolutely. One of my friends who was a colonel in the Syrian army uh, came across with his wife. She is a nuclear physicist. Uh, We have uh, teachers that have PhDs. We have bankers that have 40 years experience. We've got lawyers that are getting out of Syria. We've had uh, people that uh, that uh, have had incredible degrees. One of the things, Tim, that I had the privilege when in in uh, uh, in Baghdad itself, one of the families uh, that went through all of the horrendous things and so forth, and we can talk about that at another time. But uh, I was served on gold plates, and that's the only only thing they have left. And, uh, you know, if you can imagine and, you know, I think we can get closer and closer to imagining this with, uh, you know, six dollar a gallon fuel and 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 things like that, uh, depleting our resources to the point of zero. And then what? And so uh, we have the opportunity of being able to step in. How long? We don't know. But this is the time that God has allowed us to be in and ministering in a place that uh, that God has been reaching out to uh, since the time of Jonah and since the time of Nahum. There has been, and I think you you hit on it there, one thing I've appreciated about you has been the sense of urgency to which you have approached these things. And that's hard to do on a long-term basis, but there is there is an urgency to it because of the dynamics of the world. You haven't always been able to walk on the ground that you walked on. Um, you know, you can now. So then what does it look like then if someone's listening to this and they say, all right, well, this this guy, um, he's got he's got credentials, he's got uh, experience, he's got connections, he's got a plan, he's got, uh, and, in some, and in some ways it's been a proven plan because of the ability that you the, the, the fruit of this over time. So how does somebody start? How, how does somebody partner with you in this? Well, two things, which uh, there's individual partnership that uh, you can check out the, um, the website, indigenousministries.org. Uh, and you can, you can sign up for the newsletter and things like that. One of the things that we, I, I was a pastor for 26 years. In fact, I never left being a pastor. Uh, that's one of my passions. I continue to pastor national uh, pastors in Iraq, Egypt, and India. But um, another way to do this, and I, I totally get the missions budget thing. I, I, I had to make some pretty hard decisions. Um, but one of the things that we do is we start out by asking churches, would you be willing to allow us to come and share the child sponsorship program? It doesn't impact your, your missions budget. It's asking individuals within your church to sponsor a child within the program. And uh, so that's how it looks. $39 a month uh, is what it takes to sponsor these children. And uh, we've got uh, we've got Christians, we've got Yazidian, which uh, they're Zoroastrian, and we have pastor that has been ministering to these guys, uh, these people for years, and uh, and so forth. And then we've got Halabja, and then we've got uh, refugees in Egypt that are both uh, Syrian and also from uh, Sudan. And uh, so we continue to allow the Lord to use us to minister to these people. So that's how we approach, how do we make a difference in the Middle East? By 
literally changing the lives of the children. My wife makes the statement, she says, it's the number one anti-terrorist uh, program that you can have out there. Because number one, you're, you're sharing uh, and meeting needs of families that are desperate. Uh, we had one family that came out of the mother, the father had been beheaded in Mosul. Uh, one mother uh, came out with two children uh, into Erbil where our, our, one of our offices is. And uh, she prayed the night before. She said, oh God, uh, you've brought me here. Uh, I've got these two children. If you don't do something, I'll die. And next day morning, she ran into our staff member. And when she shared, yes, we can get you into the program, she started laughing hysterically and then broke down and sobbing because she saw God's care for her in a real time. You know, so many times, and I, I know so many of you pastors are, are dealing with God. Um, I, I've been praying for this, and I've been praying for that, and so forth. And I, and I will tell you this, God is not unjust, brother. Uh, uh, he, will not let, uh, uh, he will not let your good works go to waste. Uh, he remembers. He knows. I remember one time, Tim, I was walking through Calcutta, and uh, I walked into a Christian bookshop, and I saw on the wall, it says, Be still. I know, I care. And I'm going, man, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. And so that's one of the things that we get a chance to tell these precious people, we as believers are here. Now, you might be a believer, uh, or it might be a Christian in your background, we want to get you to a point of being a believer. If you're a Muslim, we want to share with you the, the truth about Isa Amasi. If you're a Yazidian, you're praying uh, for uh, you're praying to the Jesus God every morning, and we want to introduce you fully into a right relationship with Christ. I mean, that's what we have the privilege of doing, and we do that through our national teams, and it makes a, a difference and an impact. And as I shared, every single one of our families that have been in our program have prayed the prayer and trusted it through that. That's the best we can do. And like anybody else as a pastor, the rest is up to them. But we've seen God do amazing things. And now we're starting to disciple these kids uh, into ministry. And pray with us because, and this is going to be one of your deals too, Tim. Uh, we, are, we, we are going to be establishing a Bible college in northern Iraq. There's no other Bible college in Iraq. And uh, we're going to be doing that through our Bible college in India. Because Thomas went through northern Iraq going to India. And now India will be bringing the gospel message back to Iraq. Amazing stuff. See, the, John, this is why, you know, I've always loved hanging out with you because, because we just, you know, there, there is a wonderful quality that uh, I talked about in a video a while ago. And, and as a, you know, as a district superintendent, I don't have any, you know, we don't have any authority over churches or whatever, but we hope to have influence and, and hope to be able to speak and encourage the heart. And one of the words that, that goes through my mind a lot is the word audacity. And yes. it's, it's, it's a negative word in some ways. People see it as negative. You know, you, how could you have the audacity? But audacity is actually a beautiful word too, because it means the ability to see past the current circumstance and the confidence to imagine a different reality. And it puts, you know, it makes people go, wow, really? I mean, you know, and, and it's, it's audacious. And so to you, you've always been a guy who speaks with audacity, which is why I like you and why you're a rare person in, 
at least in my life and I think in the world. And so, um, and, and at the same time though, you know, it, you're not, this is the thing too. And I, I know so much, and we could have a whole conversation about how, how missions, world missions done by the church has at times has got it right. A lot of times has got it wrong. You know, I think what you have right is the approach to really focus and not in a, not in a way of like, oh, here we are the Americans coming in to help it, it, but it, it is, it is helping with resources, helping with training. And John, there's a real humility that you have, you know, when you talk about shepherding these pastors, you, you know, I've seen you in action and there's a lot of listening that, that, that you do. There's a lot of learning from them. And then, and then you have to say, okay, well, what do they need right now? And I really think that's where this child sponsorship thing has come because, again, it's, it's, it's meeting a felt need. It's, it's being the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, what, what is, if people don't have food, I mean, what, what more could they possibly need? And then from there, there's that patient walking with constant show of grace to build that relationship that will result. So you're not, you're not interested in short-term stuff. I mean, there's a place for that. I know you brought, I mean, you brought me out to, for kind of exposing me to stuff that I maybe hadn't seen before. But My you, hope was infecting you. What's, what's that? It was to infect you. Yes, right. That's right. Well, I mean, it was an unforgettable time. We have a whole, I mean, that could yeah. be a whole uh, discussion in and of itself about all that stuff, but but really, it's about the long term relationship, and that's what you're after, and that's what you've committed your life to, which is which is why. And again, I don't normally um, spend the kind of time that I would with you know. Usually, we focus on things that have to do with specifically with EFCA, but but I, but but I've seen so many so many good things happen in your ministry over the years, and I think and I, the other thing I like too about it, John, is you know you said it's thirty nine dollars a month, and you know, for a lot of people that that come to to church, they don't they go, well, why should I give to a church? Or you know, what what's the good or whatever? And this is something that's 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 got a it's got a you know it's it's a it's a um, a measurable amount for a measurable impact, and it could it, it does introduce people too. I think a lot of people, especially coming out of COVID or coming to church, it introduces them to the idea of of, of giving to the kingdom in a way that that is very tangible. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, like I say, when we see, we had one kid that uh, whose uh, mother had been uh, shot and killed by ISIS, and uh, the mother had laid across her two children, um, Dunya and Yusuf, uh, little old little boy. And Tim, the thing that we see just again and again, um, when Dunya and Yusuf came into the program, they were just, I mean, they were this thin. And uh, so that, and we'll talk about the trauma, we'll talk about the, the feeding, and then I'm going to talk about something else. Um, so we were able to see Yusuf and Dunya literally transformed within six weeks' time. Their cheeks were healthy and, and so forth. Secondly, talking about the, the trauma. And somebody will ask the question, well, you know, John, you don't know about that trauma. Actually, I do. When I was a little boy, my parents were missionaries uh, in Sri Lanka. And when I was raised in Sri Lanka, we had uh, death squads come to the house. I lived under a kidnap threat. We had bombs go off uh, in our front yard. In fact, my own brother uh, was born with a hole in his heart. They sent in medicines and equipment to, to, to patch it up. And the, the um, customs agent broke the, the machinery and the medicines and said, literally, this world is better off with one last white man in it. 
And it is interesting when you take a look at the discussions today, white man, black man, forget it. It's called the sin nature. And I, I know that uh, full well that God will handle what took place with my brother. But God allowed me, and I never forget when I was in, uh, when I was doing a, uh, um, uh, a, a church conference uh, from Baghdad, the church of Baghdad that we helped establish there. And uh, I was sitting down talking with the children. And I was listening to them and I was going, oh my goodness, the very things that they are sharing, I dealt with as a child. And uh, I mean, we literally, uh, they came in and confiscated everything we had and invited us to leave. But they were at least were inviting us to leave, right? But uh, the, uh, the, the key point is uh, pain is pain, trauma is trauma, and God can use it for his glory if we're willing to. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's the upside, or that's the that's the bright light at the end of the dark tunnel that so many people have gone through. And you know, you you were heavily involved uh, even during the time of um, of the ISIS um, when it when ISIS was really at its uh, pinnacle of of strength in Iraq and with the northern Iraq especially. And so, I'm just curious now now that that's subsided. Uh, what what have, what are the lingering effects? I mean, you gave a couple of great examples, but do do they linger? I mean, what what's the what does the landscape look like right now? Well, uh, half of Mosul is completely destroyed. I mean, on the east side, there's not a building that's that's still standing. It's absolutely destroyed. Uh, we have so many families that are internally displaced within Iraq. There's over four and a half million internally displaced, and being that it's an Islamic government. Uh, the Muslims all have their refugee camps still in place. Guess what got closed down two years ago? All the Christian camps. And so now we are stepping in as a relief effort with relief station, et cetera, and being able to share uh, with the Christians and standing with them. You know, Jesus made the statement. He said, you know, well, I was sick and, and, and you, you cared for me. I was hungry. You fed me. I was naked. You clothed me. Well, this is exactly what we're able to do. In the least uh, of these, my brothers, you've done it under me. And uh, we still have families coming in, escaping. Now, families, now this is what's interesting. Um, oh, by the way, you're talking about ISIS. I've got so much here in my mind. ISIS is still there. It's, it is still there. It did not get destroyed as much as our former president wants to say that they, he got rid of them. He didn't. This is an Islamic mind. This is not something that you can kill out of existence. Um, secondly, um, we've got families that are coming in uh, from uh, Syria, and uh, with them coming in, the reason why they're coming in is they've got boys that are military service age, and um, so they literally get out so that their children, their sons, will not be set because all the Christians are sent to the front lines. Um, you know, we talk about uh, civil rights and things like that. Well, we're dealing with a, a situation there aren't any. Mm. And so what do you do with that? Uh, you can sit there and try to protest, but then you're going to be dodging bullets. Uh, so what do you do? We're wise as serpents, harmless as doves, and be able to step in and say, you know something, we can help out. And there are families that are on their way migrating uh, themselves to Australia and other places around the world. And so we help the Syrian refugees, the externally displaced, and we pu pull them into the church. They are immediately brought into community, uh, those kinds of things. 
And um, so we've got families whose homes are still destroyed. There's no going back. These people are trying to get their their uh, lives back on 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 point, and uh, and so forth. And uh, we're able to step in and be able to make a difference in the lives of especially children, because as I'm a grandparent now. And uh, the one thing we're noticing very clearly, and as you're dealing with your three beautiful young people, uh, they don't stay children. And, uh, and we've got families that uh, children have been out of school for five, six, seven, eight years. Um, and so we've got families that are, uh, we're helping to, with education, we're helping with clothing for school, backpacks, those kinds of things. And we do that all through the the churches here in the U.S. building a relationship uh, with those people uh, through Indigenous ministries, and so, and so it's Indigenous Ministries uh, org, correct? Yes. Right, Indigenous Ministries. And if you don't know how to spell it, just do your best in Google, and yes. Google will fix it for you. And it's an easy thing, I-N-D-I-G-E-N-O-U-S. I had somebody make the statement. He says, John, why would you uh, establish a ministry nobody can spell? But the whole purpose is the national <laughs> reaching the national. And that's what that's what it's all about. Well, and I mean, you know, like I said, you just type it into a search bar and it kind of thinks for you. <laughs> that's the beauty of technology. So there was a time when that was a barrier, but it shouldn't be one now. And then you can learn more about that. You can even reach out to John. You know, John, you're all over the place. But but I would imagine that if somebody wanted to talk to you directly, they could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, my phone number, if you want that, is 719 719- Four three nine seven seven nine eight, and we'd be glad to get you a, a church ministry packet and uh, give you information uh, that we have and uh, get that in the mail to you uh, and go from there. And again, you know, we're talking about a, a situation that is a long-term commitment. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I mean, not to scare anybody away, but what I mean is your ministry is it, 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 we have to think past the news cycle. You know, even we look at, we look at Ukraine and it's like, okay, well, you know, as long as it captivates the public, um, attention, it'll be in the news. And then, but it doesn't matter. The damage that's been done there is going to take decades to, to, even if it stopped today, the reverberations of that are going to go on forever. So we, we have to discipline ourselves to really say, okay, what, you know, where are the needs and not be so, uh, you know, being swung, here and there by every whim of, of the, you know, 24 hour news cycle. And I think that's what I, again, appreciate about you. You have the, you've taken the time to build the relationships long-term. You've, you've got your tentacles deeply rooted into the place. You understand the culture. So you're not, you're not, you're not a guy that's going to go in and, and do a, make a bunch of cultural faux pas either. And, and, you know, you, and sometimes I think even too, you know, we have even sometimes our ideas of, of, of how, what's going to work and, and the way we would do things. And then we kind of think, but you, but you, again, you've been there enough times, you've established relationships, you know, what's going on. So people could even call you too, and just ask you, Hey, what's going on out there? And then see, maybe there's, uh, there's doors that you can help, uh, open, right. For, for people to continue to, to, uh, who would want to partner with you, whether it's child sponsorship or maybe some other ideas, or maybe they want to come with you on a trip sometime. Absolutely. We've got opportunities for pastors to come and teach in our conferences, uh, both in Egypt, our Middle East conference, and then also our conference in India. Um, we have one on the docket for the Philippines, but that's uh, yet to be scheduled. Um, but uh, yeah, if we can be a resource, 
to the church, to the missions team, uh, we, uh, we, we speak church. We speak evangelical Christian church. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, uh, what are we going to do? How are we answering the question as far as the Islamic Middle East? Um, I, I, I will change Paul's words just a little bit where he made the statement, he says, my heart's desire and prayer for the Muslim is that they might know Jesus, for they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And so we are there helping and assisting. I, I gave a guy a Bible, and when I said, can I get you a Bible? He says, I suppose I would re receive it, but I'm afraid that I will read it, and if I read it, I will become a Christian, because my religion is stupid. <laughs> Those are his words. Those are his words, not mine. Wow. So wow. Uh, the, the key point is, hey, let's be salt and light. And, you know, we're all doing our very best to be part of the net in reaching people for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. John, I appreciate it, brother. And, um, again, indigenousministries.org. And uh, you're continuing. When, when are you? What's the next for you? When's your next trip? Well, um, we were looking at in the fall, but the pressure is mounting for me to get back uh, to Iraq here in the next number of weeks. So got some things on this side. I've got the pastor, uh, one of our pastors from Iraq, needs a break. Uh, we're pulling him out for three weeks just to let him, um, you know, get some time in the Word, get some time reading and counseling and encouragement and so forth. They've been through all of this issue with ISIS and uh, breaking, breaking issues. Um, so we're, we're trying to juggle exactly when I can go back in, but I'd say within the next uh, six weeks to two months. Wow. So, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about coming out of COVID and the, and the burnout that pastors here in the States have, have experienced, oh which is real. I mean, it's, it's, it's been, I don't think it's ever been harder to be a pastor in America. Oh, it's Horrible. It's horrible. Then, then maybe since the Civil War, because because of the nature, you know, I, I say this a lot, but I know Judy, my wife, she said, you know, with 9-11, we all came together. And that was terrible, but we all came together, at least for a temporary period of time. But the nature of this is it pulled us apart. It isolated us. Churches thrive on on um, proximity. And, and we just, we, we did the opposite of that. Um, and so, so absolutely the burnout that, that, that you're feeling, the, the long, just lingering effects of this that many of us are feeling. But then you got to think about these, these guys out there, those men and women in Iraq that are, um, that have experienced, I mean, uh, for, for year, for decades on end, that the, the insecurity, the constant sense of insecurity of, of not knowing from one day to the next, what your government's going to do, what ISIS might do, all that kind you of know, stuff. Talk about the insecurity of what our government is doing. This is, this doesn't hold a candle to what's going on. By the way, you mentioned about the issue of the civil war. I was in Shiloh and I saw that where the battle of Shiloh took place and Tim, Here's what I want to encourage every single one of our pastors. I saw a New Testament that was personally handed out by D.L. Moody. So we can go through all of this breaking within our societies and so forth. But my goodness, we are literally in the middle of the greatest time that the church could ever stand. And if there's ever a time that we need to be warriors for Jesus Christ, it's right now. And not worry about, I love what uh, 
uh, E.V. Hill made the statement. He says, I'm not interested in the right wing. I'm not interested in the left wing. I'm interested in who's flying this thing. And Jesus <laughs> yeah. is on the throne. Yeah. And so let's do everything we possibly can, because our time is short. There's going to come a day where our churches and your offices and your seats and your homes are going to be empty because we're going to be with Jesus. And uh, my my grandparents have a uh, a thing on their wall. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And let's gather up as much for the harvest as we possibly can, because the day is coming. It's coming to an end soon. And so... That's a, that's a good word. It's an encouraging word. And I, John, I, I love your passion. I, I, it's it's always been infectious to me. I appreciate your work, your your uh, your untiring um, de- dedication to this particular ministry as well. And it's exciting to see the fruit. Indigenousministries.org, Dr. John Cook. Monument, Colorado, outside of Colorado Springs, and all over the world. And so we're excited about what God's going to do for you, through you, uh, in this ministry. And so, John, thank you for spending time with us today. Dr. Tim, thanks so much, buddy. And I just appreciate you so much. We need to get together next time I'm down in Arizona. Absolutely, brother. We'll see you later on. Bye. Bye.